Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. And if both of us sound a little bit drowsy this morning, everybody, it's because one of us loves the other one so much that he agreed to get up really early on a Sunday morning so the other one could get to Brighton versus Southampton in time. And my, my word, Kieran, it is early. The, the, the air seems so clear and everything's so quiet at 9.15 in the morning. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, that's right. When I, when I first asked you to do this at this this stage, you said, who do you think I am, a fucking milkman? <laughs> Words to that effect, Kieran. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm also aware that there are many people around the world who are thinking, 9.15 and we've been up. We, the, the day's done. We're over. Um, uh, the other one sounds a bit drowsy. How was, how was the mission, Kieran? How was your, your golf night out? Oh, it, it was it was wonderful. It was uh, it, yeah, Shepherd's Bush Empire, uh, Rose of Avalanche, and uh, Ballam and the Angel, who, 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 who were very very ropey indeed. Uh, the latter, but the, the former were great. Uh, and then the mission, and uh, yeah, sixty year old men with man buns throwing confetti in the air uh, to to certain songs is is where it should be. Yeah, I saw your impassioned tweet about the fact that Quavers were on sale in the foyer at a mission gig. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, not, it's not very goth, is it? It's not particularly goth, and, uh, but yeah, neither is throwing confetti in the air, is it, really? Just, uh, <laughs> I should think Wayne Hussey was quite cross about not being able to hear the music over the crunch of Quavers. <laughs> As middle, I'm surprised that you could all concentrate on the music as you've shown photographs of your grandchildren to each other. But there you go. I'm glad you had a nice time. It's, Thank you it's, very much. It's Questions Day, uh, Kieran, and we are recording on a Sunday morning. Um, I think there's one new story we have to reflect on. Uh, we saw Scunthorpe uh, relegated to the National League last week, and Scunthorpe are a team we've spoken about on and off for a while, but a team we've been speaking about on a very regular basis, Oldham Athletic, became... Um, and I'm sure they won't be happy with this stat, but they became the first ever team to have played in the Premier League to end up in the National League amidst some very unpleasant scenes. Yesterday, the game was abandoned and then the players were recalled after an hour and a half to play the last 12 minutes behind closed doors. So not only have Oldham been relegated, Kieran, but they've now been threatened with huge financial penalties for what happened on the pitch yesterday. So not a good time all round for Oldham fans. No, um, and this has been coming. Uh, yeah. you know, we we talk ad nauseum about relationships between fans and owners, and owners having the right principles. Well, we've seen with regards to the the Oldham ownership, um, far too many conflicts, far too much interference. Where you know, if, if you if you own a football club then your job is to provide funding is to provide communication is to provide infrastructure it, it's it's not to, it's it's not to meddle uh with uh 
with with the team or mm. the, you know the manager in terms of what he can and cannot do you know everybody should have their own responsibilities and, and uh, I think we saw uh, you know when when Paul Scholes who Paul Scholes is an Oldham fan you know from yeah. when he was a kid I, I remember playing <coughs> cricket against Paul yeah. Scholes and he's he's from that you know from that broadly that neck of the woods because uh, I played against him when he was playing for Newton Heath um, and. Uh, you know, it was it was quite clear from his comments at the time that uh, th- things weren't right. They've had a succession of managers who, but trying trying to run, you know, trying to run the football club activities on the pitch when you've got one hand tied behind your back uh, is is not easy. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a sad day uh, because you know, <clears throat> Oldham for a few years, you know, they were absolutely fantastic. Mm. They, they were punching above their weight, but they did superbly well to get to the FA Cup semi-final, to get to the Premier League, to get to the League Cup final and so on. Um, and and it's, it's a sorry day for Oldham fans. All I would say to them is, yeah, you'll be feeling terrible at present, but come August, you've, you've still got 42 fixtures to look forward to. And and, and there's mm. going to be plenty of uh, pl- plenty of t- tasty derbies uh, mm. you know, it, in, in, in the National League uh, next season, new grounds to visit. So... So hope springs eternal, but it's not an easy division to get out because it, it practically every side in in the national league is now full time. <coughs> well, hope may not spring that eternal, Kieran. If they still have the same owners, and, and uh, technically, as as grown up broadcasters, we are supposed to condemn the behaviour of those Oldham fans after the game. But I do no such thing. I absolutely applaud how Oldham fans behaved because I think we would have done the same at Brighton or Palace. And it's hard to disagree with those Oldham fans. Who are, who are telling the world that the club has been financially mismanaged when they've just been relegated to the National League. It's very difficult for the owners to, to say, no, we're doing a good job, when they quite clearly haven't. And when you've been warning about this, virtually since the pod started, they were on your, your red list, your emergency list of badly run, badly financed clubs right from the start. And this is the unfortunately depressing conclusion. Yeah, and uh, you know, Oldham fans' organisations such as Push the Boundary, they've been in contact yeah. with a regular basis. They asked me to to go in as an independent, and and you know, I, I genuinely, I I never have any agenda. You know, my, my my view is from day one of this show, and you know me long, long enough. Um, it's it's to be transparent. It's yeah. to, it's to it's to explain things. It's to highlight risks. Um, and they said, would I go as an independent? Um, and, and I say I'll do it for gratis. You know, I don't I don't charge money because okay, I'm, I'm a fan first and foremost. Mm. Um, and, and take a look and, and just offer to explain things to to the fans because sometimes things aren't as bad as as you know, perhaps the headlines and, yeah. and lack of communication. Um, and Oldham turned round and said, "Well, yeah, you know, why, why do we need a chartered accountant looking in our books? Yeah, you know, mm. we, we're quite happy with the unaudited accounts that we publish." Mm. And remember, their, they went, and they published. I think it was, their, was it's either their 2019 or the 2020 accounts. Um, where they couldn't even get the cash balance right. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's one the one thing you should be. You know, there's there's lots of there's there's lots of things in a set of accounts which I can say. Well, yeah, we can make that a bit higher or a bit lower. It, you should know how much cash you got in the bank on a particular day. Mm. I, I suppose one consolation, Kieran, for Oldham. Speaking of cash, is that they will be one of the best supported clubs in that league next season. They will be getting decent crowds, I imagine. And if they've got new owners, they'll be getting very good crowds. And at that level, match day income does make a difference, doesn't it? It does. It does. 
uh, and <clears throat> they will also get uh, they get two years of parachute payments from the EFL. So in the first year, they get a hundred percent of the the EFL payments to League Two clubs, and in the second year, they get fifty percent. So so there is that protection as well. Uh, if they do have players on outstanding contracts, uh, and, and the fans are worried about it from that point of view, but yeah, there's no reason why Oldham can't uh, you know, can't can't get you know, very good crowds, and also you know away fans from, from national league clubs, they'll they'll be wanting to come to get yeah. this new ground on. Yeah, of course. Uh, questions then, Kieran, and as always, we've got some very interesting ones. And as always, I will say that doesn't imply that we haven't. We've got some not interesting ones. They're all interesting. Now, the first one comes from Joe McCormick. Uh, Joe says, I believe in the principle behind financial fair play. However, I don't support it in its current form because in principle, assuming rules are enforced, it doesn't give an owner the ability to invest in their club in a way that any other business owner would. However, what's stopping an owner from selling a season ticket for one seat in the stadium to a family member or friend for a ridiculous amount of money, effectively finding a loophole around the rules by masking investment as ticketing revenue. It's an interesting question. It's also interesting, Kieran, following your interview with the, the guy who wrote Soconomics, who who says that yeah, this, this idea that football is somehow different to other businesses is, is erroneous as well, isn't, isn't it? So it's Joe's got two interesting points here. Yes. Um, first of all, in terms of... Uh, the owner's ability to invest in the club, that they, that they do. Owners can put in as much money as they so desire into a football club in either loans or shares, but only a certain amount of that will qualify for profitability, sustainability, or stroke FFP purposes. So so I think there is a lot of confusion um, around. I, I know, you know, I, I've, I've listened to to people such as uh, Stoke City saying, you know, why why can't we put in loads yeah. and loads of money? But we, you can. You just not all of it counts towards FFP. Um, but in terms of Joe's second comment, um, there is nothing at present to stop an owner from selling a season ticket for one seat. Because if we take a look at Chelsea Football Club, Chelsea used to sell. Um, a a ticket to a Mr. R. Abramovich <laughs> each season for the princely sum of one million pounds. Crikey, is that in the books? It's in the books. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and and he used to buy that ticket every year um, until uh, he and uh, he, he and the UK government fell out about his visa, which was probably about four or five years yes. ago, and then, yeah, then he yeah. stopped doing that. So, so um, th- there are ways of doing that uh, now. The the Premier League are now certainly tightening up the rules with any transactions to do with what's referred to related parties. But but prior to that, um, that there was there was nothing um, nothing to stop uh, this, this taking place. So um, you know there, there are ways there are ways and means around this. That's um. That's really interesting. I'm I'm slightly disappointed for Joe McCormick because I reckon Joe, quite rightly, was sitting there thinking to himself, I've come up with the, the best loop however. They need to close this. And it turns out that people have been taking advantage of that for quite some time. Would there, Kieran, then be anything to stop once Chelsea's new owners have been confirmed? Would there be anything to stop them selling a season ticket to R- Abramovich for a million pounds again so he could still somehow fund the club? Um, no, no, he, he, they're, they're perfectly entitled to do that because um, he would no longer be a related party to the club because he won't be an owner. Um, 
So I, I, but I, I think uh, under the, the new rules, all commercial co- now all commercial contracts of more than a million have to be uh, have to be uh, viewed by the uh, by the Premier League to determine whether they've been sold at fair value. But but under the under the present rules, you you could sell yeah you could sell as many one million pound tickets as you want. I mean, Fulham are trying to Fulham are trying to do that to a certain extent by charging a thousand pounds for their season tickets for next season, which is which is a rip off. That's to regular fans, but no, the, the million pound ticket is uh, is still available. I'm sorry, Kieran. Um, say that again. Fulham are charging how much? Fulham are charging Fulham are charging a grand for what? some of their season tickets. Well, that's uh, that's fine for Richard Osman. That's that's money down the back of the sofa for Richard Osman <laughs> if he can reach down that low, of course. But are they Fulham? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're full, full, yeah, they announced that recently. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say a lot of Fulham fans are underwhelmed by uh, by such an approach. But that, that's that's where the clubs are going. Manchester United is selling now selling match day tickets at one hundred and sixty pounds a pop. Holy mother of God! Fulham is one of those strange clubs that people assume a little bit like Chelsea that because it's in West London, it's by the river, it must be full of affluent. Fans, but you only have to go to the Hammersmith end or the Putney end to know that it's it's not. It's it's there's a lot of traditional legacy West London fans. There. That's exactly. I, I'm I'm slightly astonished to hear that. Kieran. Um, uh, also, one of my favourite moments in, in in football, which is uh, I was at a Fulham game in the press box, and there was just a couple of legacy fans behind us with their daughter, and there was an announcement about uh, some traditional thing that was going on uh, and uh, it was in honour of Jimmy Hill and I just heard the daughter sigh a little bit and I said are you alright? She said no I know what's coming and uh, her father just went can we not get through a whole 90 minutes without another ucky mention of Jimmy Hill (laughs) 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 Um, Dave Whitaker has a question for us Kieran Mm. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that our interview with Barry Hearn last week had quite the reaction um, and I think it's fair to say uh, that for some people he was Mr. Chalk and some he was Mr. Cheese. Uh, <laughs> there were some Orient fans who weren't happy in particular. There were some people who found him very interesting and amusing. Um, but it's his comments about the Olympic Stadium mm. were what got a big response. And Dave's question is off the back of that. Dave Whitaker says, I've heard... A disturbing report that the Olympic Park, including its various venues, has been revalued down dramatically from £57.8 million to just £200,000, which hardly seems credible. Is there any truth in it? And as a West Ham fan, should I be concerned? Well, first of all, Dave, yes, there's a lot of truth in it. Oh. If you take a look at the accounts of LLDC, the London Legacy Development Corporation or something like that, um, they they do have new surveyors in, um, and what they do is they say, well, if if somebody was going to buy this and then earn money from rent, uh, looking at the current rental agreements, and and there's there's lots of individual uh, parts uh, of of property uh, which which are sort of in the Olympic Park. How how much rent would we get in it? And the answer is diddly squat. Um, so therefore, because you're not going to generate any rental income, you wouldn't be prepared to pay much for the property as a whole. So um, the £200,000 uh, valuation does appear to be appropriate. Um, and then if you go to um, 
if you go to the accounts of E20 Stadium Limited, and I've got, I've got some credit here. I think Dave probably picked up this story from the excellent uh, West Ham website, Claret and Hugh, who, yeah. who really do a very forensic job of uh, what's happening behind the scenes at West Ham. Um, if you take a look at the E20 Stadium, um, which is the, the Olympic Stadium itself, purely the stadium, um, that has been valued at zero pounds. And the reason for that is, uh, as Barry Hearn was uh, intimating, West Ham have got such a fantastic deal uh, on the stadium that it's not actually worth anybody buying it. And and just Mm. to give you some evidence of this, West Ham pay £2.8 million in rent a year, but um, the landlords last year paid £11.5 million on stadium improvements. So it's going to take four years or to get the money back just mm. from the improvements, and let, let alone the stadium itself. So it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's an absolute disaster from uh, from the taxpayers' perspective. Um, but you know th- those those type of things tend to go under the radar, uh, and uh, so so it, it's so yeah, the London Stadium is worth nothing from an investor's point of view because West Ham have have got a they've got a ninety nine year lease. Mm. At two point eight million pounds a year for for a seven hundred million pound stadium, it makes no sense whatsoever. Should Dave be worried or concerned? Um, I, I would say no, because mm. yeah, they are locked into a long term contract. Um, I, I know that they're. I, I know that the mayor of London has sort of made mutterings that they would like to renegotiate the contract. But if I was West Ham. Um, and you know, Barry Hearn himself said, "Yeah, he's got no beef with the club." Um, that uh, you just, uh, you know, the the mayor of London sits down and says, "Well, we, yeah, we'd like to renegotiate the rent." And West Ham say, "No, no, thanks, we're fine, we're quite happy with it." Is is, um, and, and what do you do? Yeah, contracts are contracts. Mm. Uh, so it was, it was, was it poorly negotiated? I think, I think certainly eyebrows can be raised. Um, on on behalf of the taxpayer, but uh, on behalf of the tenant, it's a fantastic deal. And yet, you know, why is West Ham valued at such a high price? Given you know that Golden Sullivan paid relatively little to to buy the buy the buy the club, um, you know, and now they're sort of selling it for somewhere in the region of six to eight hundred million pounds. Um, it's it's because they've got this amazing asset at, at you know, a very, very low cost to themselves. Yeah, uh, that West Ham website you mentioned is yet another example of why club owners underestimate fans at their peril. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying, Kieran, that my wife is shallow because you know her and you know that my wife is not shallow, but no, she's not a fan of Barry Hearn <clears throat> and she wasn't that impressed when I said that we were interviewing Barry Hearn. And when I went back in... And she said, how did that go with Barry Hearn? I said, it was great. He had a, he had a, a real go at Boris Johnson. And now Barry's, Barry Hearn's her favourite person. <laughs> and that's all. And all she went, oh, really, did he? So and I explained in, in the, the detail into which Barry Hearn criticised Boris Johnson. And she went, oh, maybe I've underestimated him. Our next question, Kieran, comes from Down Under. It comes from Australia. I, I, some people listening to this, Kieran, will have heard me on Radio New Zealand. Last night, really? Um, yeah, they're equivalent of the Today okay. Show. I assume you know, you'd left your phone off for some reason, so they <laughs> phoned me. They wanted to talk to me about things about football, and in particular about Silver Lake investing in the All Blacks. And I, I, oh, point, yeah. I pointed out that you probably have the wrong person, but I will, <laughs> I will talk about the emotions of such things. But the the lovely guy from Radio New Zealand blindsided me. He's a big fan of the podcast, and he talked about the pod a lot. But then he said, "One thing I can't understand is that you two football lovers." doing a podcast 
about the bad things in football. He said it's like it's like a dog lover podcast talking about rabies every week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was, you know, I've not thought of it like that before, Colin. But you, you, you're quite right, I suppose, in a way. So now I'm going to pitch to produce a guy, a dog lovers podcast, but without the rabies <laughs> yes. bit, because uh, as we've seen, producer guys widening his portfolio now with his mm. with his new podcast about film finance, which is very good. But Ben Archer in Australia says, "Firstly, I'd like to thank you, not just for the enjoyable and highly informative podcast." but also for reintroducing this expat to phrases such as mugging off. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is very nice for somebody. Somebody who went to Australia in the 70s is probably just a lovely nostalgic glow when he hears people being mugged off on our podcast. You have my eternal gratitude, says Ben. Secondly, you've spoken about the financial implications for going up and down the leagues in the UK, but I was wondering about other European leagues. I follow the fortunes of several teams around Europe in cities I've visited, and many of them are yo-yo clubs. So could you please give some insight into the ways in which promotion and relegation from League One, League Earn, I beg your pardon, the Bundesliga, Serie A and the Airtricity League in Ireland can have an impact on club finances? Right. Um, it, it does very much vary from country to country um, based on the the TV deals. So as far as the, the Airtricity League in Ireland, because the, the overall deal is not worth a lot of money, there's not a big step up or step down in terms mm. of promotion. Um, if we take a look at the Bundesliga, um, the, the Bundesliga is is quite complicated. But to be to be fair, the Bundesliga's website is is fantastically detailed in, in respect of this. Um, so so the money is split um, into into four pillars or four columns. Some is split evenly between the, the eighteen clubs in the Bundesliga. Some's based on performance. Um, I think we have mentioned this before. Some, some is based on the number of under twenty three players. Yeah, uh, which individual clubs? It's only three percent. Um, and what they are now introducing, which makes me slightly twitchy, is uh, they're distributing money based on, and I quote, interest. And, and I thought, oh, is this something to do with with finance? And right. I said, no, it's it's actually how popular you are in terms of. Things like social media. Oh, um, so yeah, you know, I, I've always been a bit concerned that uh, you know what you know if it, w- at, at when are UEFA going to introduce rules that the person you know the club with the highest number of Instagram followers gets a one goal start to a match <laughs> just just to appease the, the the greedy clubs to whom it does appear to be uh, somewhat starry eyed towards. Um, as, as far as uh, some of the money being split <clears throat> is concerned, what the Bundesliga do is they also split money based on what they refer to as a five-year ranking. Um, and this is based over a club's performance um, in the top two divisions. So if you've had three years in Bundesliga and two years in Bundesliga 2, the three years that you've had in Bundesliga itself counts towards how much of the TV money you get. So, so it, is, it is quite complicated. Hmm. Uh, even so, the, there is a significant gap between the bottom of the Bundesliga and top of Bundesliga 2. Um, and the, the money is ultimately, it's, it's very much focused at the top because yeah, last night, uh, we are record, we're recording this on Sunday morning, last night uh, Bayern Munich won the Bundesliga for the 10th season in a row. Hmm. And, and that's, <clears> that's the danger with 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 these type of models um if we take a look at spain uh, and again the, the only reason why i've looked at spain in particular because th- their website's very good if you if you finish bottom of la liga you get 58 million euro and that compares to around about 100 million sterling for the side finishing bottom of the premier league 
If you are top of Segunda division, mm. uh, you get 10 million. So, so there is a big gap. But again, they do have parachute payments. So oh, if we take okay. a look at Espanyol, who who did uh, who were relegated the previous season, on top of the 10 million euro they got, they, they also got around about 30 million uh, euro in parachute payments. So, so the gap is gap is lower, but it's it's lower mm-hmm. because mm. uh, a combination of A, the TV deal is smaller, and B, that they do have parachute payments. So... It, it very much varies from country to country. You know, we, I think we've spoken at length in, in terms of Scotland. You know, what, why? Why? You know, when I'm doing the analysis, I, I, I keep records of all 92 clubs in in the in, in the top four divisions, as well as the, the national league clubs here, and also monitor all of the Scottish clubs. Why? Why is it that Scottish clubs don't lose money? Uh, to the same extent as clubs in England, it's the gaps between divisions are that much lower, um, and, and therefore it, there's there's no incentive to to overspend. Um, that that incentive is there in Europe, but not to the same extent because the the rewards of getting to the top division are not as great as they are uh, in England. I feel I should point out to the new listeners here, Kieran, that you are so dedicated to football finance that you would keep those records of all the clubs in England and Scotland, regardless of whether we're doing this podcast or not, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the Baroness says I am obsessed, and, and I am. Yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's an affliction rather than a, <laughs> than a merit point, I can assure you, as far as my marriage is concerned. Well, you're obsessed with the Baroness, just in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, our next question comes from Henry Cheese. Uh, and Henry Cheese is a Brighton fan, so I, I, I'm going to fill my boots at some stage during this period. I, I thought, I thought <laughs> this, is, this is too much of an open goal for you, surely. In fact, no, you know, I almost feel like I'm, I'm going to get down on my knees and head the ball over the line here, Kieran. But <laughs> it, it would be unfair because Henry Cheese, is just, I'm amazed he hasn't changed his name to Henry Bree because the, the other Brighton fans must be really sad. We can't just have a cheese in the stadium. But anyway, as... Um, uh, Marmite cheese, Kieran. Have you seen? Oh my goodness me! Um, as a fellow seagull, uh, and I love the way Brighton fans refer to themselves. As a fellow seagull, um, and that's probably how Henry Cheese talks. I imagine as well. I don't know what the working class Brighton accent is, but if there is, you won't hear it in your stadium. Um, as a fellow seagull, I'm really worried about the quality of the cheese. Involved. I'm sure Kieran is as delighted. I apologise, Henry, uh, as, as genuinely. Uh, as much as I can apologise to a Brighton fan, I apologise, Henry. I shall, I'll tell you what, I'll wait till I'm at the Palace game tomorrow night and I'll tell my mates that we had a Brighton fan called Henry Cheese and we'll do all the puns around the table in the pub. Uh, I'm sure Kieran is as delighted as I am to have Tony Bloom at the helm of the Amex. Although, what was it Barry Hearn referred to Tony Bloom as? What's his, his poker name? The Lizard. Oh, the lizard! Yeah, I can't imagine Tony Bloom was too pleased at being called the lizard. But you are no, no, no. He likes it. He's oh, a lizard he? because he's he is. Uh, he never gives anything away. Oh, oh, oh is this, a lizard's famous. I would have gone for long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 have you ever been stared at by a lizard? Not, not for long. No. <laughs> no. I, I thought maybe Tony Bloom had an impressively long tongue that he checked the temperature of the air with. But um, as delighted as I am as I, to have Tony Bloom at the helm of the Amex. Over the years, our illustrious chairman has lent us lots of money for the stadium, etc., and seems to keep us going year on year. Heaven forfend, which is a very Henry Cheese thing to say, but heaven forfend. But what does Kieran think would happen if he did the unthinkable and walked away? And I know you think that's not going to happen, but how much would we owe him? Is the state of our account such that we could survive? And are we an attractive purchase for another buyer? I mean, I think this is a question that the fans of 70 clubs 
in the Premier mm. League and the EFL are asking themselves, aren't they? Yeah. Um, about their, own, no, about their own clubs, Kieran, not about oh, Brighton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> they don't care um, about Brighton. Brighton of Albion owe Tony Bloom 337 million quid. Mm-hmm. So um, can they afford to repay that? No, they can't. Is he going to ever ask for it back? No, he ain't. Yeah, no. it, it's as simple as that. I mean, he's... Uh, He's, you know, his uh, his family were on the board uh, many years ago. He's been watching the club since he was six years old. He goes with his brother. You know, we 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 see him at, we see him on matches coming back on the train. He's just, you know, he's, he's just there, yeah, with his with his with his satchel and his bag of sandwiches and his scarf around his neck. He doesn't even want to travel with that fat with the with the team. You know, as far as he's concerned, he's, he's a fan who happens to be uh, a ridiculously smart mathematician. Um, on on which you know, much of his success has been based, and mm. he's he's, a, he's he's one very very smart cookie. So um, if if he walked away and demanded his money, the club the club would have to be sold. Um, could could the club survive? Well, the club's been in the Premier League for for four seasons, for which we've got set of accounts, and we've we've lost money in in three of those years. It mm. cost a fortune to get to the Premier League in the first place. Um, so it, it, things things would have to change, and, and although you know, I, I hear fellow fans moaning, uh, you know, we need to spend more money. If Tony Bloom left, that the club will be spending less. So, mm. so you know, ne- never forget his uh, his contribution to the club. Are we an attractive purchase for another buyer? As a Premier League club, you are always an attractive purchase, and, and you know, b- based on my valuation, I, I think the club would be somewhere in that region of two hundred to, to two hundred and thirty million pounds. So he wouldn't get his money back if he sold it, um, but uh, you know, it, it, it certainly would, would be an attractive purchase. Relatively new stadium, uh, de- de- decent match day income, good for, good facilities in, in terms of of infrastructure. So you've not got those additional costs that, you know, that we that we're seeing potentially arising at some other clubs. Uh, so yeah, it, it would be attractive. Have 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 people have been interested? Well, they they might have been, but I think they've just been got got, got a firm rebuff. Uh, you know why why invest all that money in the club and then walk away? Your location surely would make you an attractive purchase for another buyer, wouldn't it, Kieran? Um, I, I think from uh, yeah, fr- from an international buyer's point of view, yeah. Let, let's be honest, Gap, Gap, Gatwick Airport is yeah. is half an hour away, so so things like that do count. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it's there's 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 lots of pluses, but uh, there's you know there, there's no desire to sell. Yeah, lots of countryside, easy access to many delicatessens. I just would have thought. Absolutely. Great cheeses. <laughs> Great cheeses, yeah, yeah. Henry Henry Cheeseman is not my favourite um, football-related uh, cheese name. There's a fantastic England goalkeeper, Peter Stilton. He's my favourite. That's a bath to lose. <laughs> that's, one of the first, that's one of the first jokes I ever heard when I was a kid. It still makes me laugh now. It's very funny. <laughs> Um, and of course, there's that hard cheddar that uh, when we finish above you, which I please God will happen. Um, <laughs> South Coast derby today, Kieran, isn't it? That's the South End, you- uh, according to the newspapers, but uh, according to Brighton Southampton fans, we've not got a clue what they're on about. There's 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 one team that we hate, and that's it. You know, as far as Southampton are concerned, we. They're just another Premier League team. Yeah, we don't like Southampton much either. But um, uh, as you say, there's only one team. To the amusement of Millwall and Charlton fans, I'm saying, boys, walk on, move on. We've got no, it's nothing to see here. Just keep going straight down to the south coast. Ah, mm, the first. 
first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Tony Hamilton has a question. Tony Hamilton says, I read that ex-Grimsby Town Manager Russell Slade is heading up legal action about clubs and leagues selling players' data to companies including bookmakers. In law, who owns the data, the players, the clubs or the leagues? It's an interesting question, Kim, which we have tried to explain before, but it's complicated and murky, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, I, I, might, I might try and get Russell on the uh, on the show to explain it more. Yeah, uh, he, I think he, he. But the the position is is that there's an awful lot of data uh, being collated about footballers, you know, from from the likes of Opta and uh, Statsbomb and so on. So there's many of these uh, data management companies who are recording, you know. Passes one, mm. headers one, shuttles, you know, turnarounds, you, you name it. Um, with regards to the players, and that data is then being sold to a variety of commercial clients, and and you know, they, they, you know, I've, I've got a beef with that at all. Um, in, including bookmakers, helps them to set the odds. Yeah. In, including opposing clubs because you know the more that you know about your opponent then then the, the better you can set yourself up um but there there is a view taken that is this a breach of gdpr mm. is this is this a breach of intellectual property is is that is this a breach because these are the player's statistics mm. and should therefore the player claim legal ownership with regards to them and if so should there be a body set up to to to, to manage and and to collate and and to sell that data on behalf of the players, or or should the players be on a commission uh, in terms of um, what what the the, the existing organisations are doing? Um, so so that's where we are. There, there is, I think, uh, what's referred to as an on pass at present between the Russ uh, uh, Russell Slade's uh, organisation. Uh, which is effectively on behalf of the players. Um, I, I don't think the leagues would be able to claim ownership because you, you then have issues in, in terms of when a player signs a contract, does he sign a contract with the league or the club? Um, the, the club sign the player's registration. You know, the, the, the club has intellectual property with regard to the badge um, and potentially some of the likenesses as to the players. But those those are separate deals organised by, by Thief Pro and the clubs in terms of when they sell those rights to the, the computer games companies and so on. But uh, I think Tony's question is interesting. It's gone very quiet this particular story uh it doesn't mean that the uh doesn't mean that things aren't taking place behind closed doors though well maybe we should get uh, russell on because the the interesting one there kieran is the computer games thing because they're i mean their stats are legendarily second to none and we we hear stories mm. about you know premier league clubs even uh, approaching companies and asking access to their stats because they're so deep especially in terms of uh, transfers from all around the world. And you think if there's money to be made for players from this, it would be from the computer games companies rather than, say, bookmakers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also the um, the computer games companies themselves are now selling that data to, to football clubs. Mm. Uh, and, and footballers 
um, yeah, could a footballer say, I've just seen my FIFA 2022 stats and they make me look bad yeah. and I'm about to renew a contract and, and this is actually prejudicing my my ability to negotiate a better contract with my with my employer or, or to find a better job. So it, it, it's, it's an intriguing uh, position. Um, and I know, you know, Lots of people play FIFA, and I, I'm I'm not allowed to play FIFA on the grounds that you spend enough time on that bloody spreadsheet. If you think <laughs> I'm letting you spend any more time doing football and numbers, so so the Baroness doesn't let me play. But I, I know we had uh, we had somebody from uh, Sports Interactive on the show. I've mm. forgotten his name um, a few t- few years ago, and, and he said, you know, for every, every number that you see on the on, on the screen, there's ten behind it, which mm. are going forwards and, and constantly updating algorithms and so on. I, I had a brief moment of panic there, Kieran, when I, I thought you were asking me to remember the name. I, That's Tom Markham. Tom Markham. Oh, Sorry, okay. Tom Markham. Yeah, I, I only remember Barry Hearn was on last week because I've written Barry Hearn in giant letters <laughs> in felt pen on my script. Um, there are there are rumours, um, anecdotally, that there are several players who are unhappy with their stats on the latest FIFA. Mm. Um, I suppose the other side of that argument is that players, how, how are players going to collate their own stats if mm. they want intellectual ownership of them? The, the, the thing that makes me laugh the most as well is there's suddenly amongst older players like Paul Mercer and Graham Souness are now firmly convinced that players are skewering their own stats. When they say somebody's passing, uh, you know, passing rate is 97%, they just go, that's because they're, doing short passes to their mate, just spending the last 10 minutes knocking it about to each other, which is, I quite like the idea that players can be mischievous enough just to skew the stats by doing <laughs> stuff like that. You know, I'll tell you the reason I missed that is to muck up EA games. Um, I love this next question from Anthony O'Meara because this is the sort of question, were I a listener uh, to the pod, this is exactly the sort of question I would be sending in. Never mind something complicated about amortisation and <laughs> yes. stadium value. As Anthony O'Meara's question is, can you tell me, please, why Wigan weren't deducted any points after they went into administration? So far, so good. My club, Bolton, <laughs> were drowning in a piss puddle in the gutter. And then, <laughs> and then the EFL decided to put a foot on our neck, yet Wigan weren't even deducted a point. This is because this I mean, that's a proper... There's, there's some lads, including Anthony, in a pub in Bolton somewhere, going, we're, we're in a piss puddle in it. Tell you what, let's ask Kieran Maguire. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, this is the problem, isn't it, Kieran? Fans are constantly bemused when the punishment don't seem to be applied equally and and people are unable to tell us why that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, especially as Wigan were deducted 12 points well, they, for going into administration. <laughs> so, so I can't understand Anthony being, Anthony being unhappy. Uh, but uh, you, there's there's no reason to be, Anthony, in the sense that uh, Wigan were deducted 12 points uh, after uh, the new owner, Al Young, mm. um, having passed the, the fit and proper test four weeks after acquiring Wigan Athletic, put it into administration. Yeah. Now, the administrators subsequently, and remember, these are the administrators who feel that there should be a statue of themselves yeah. built <laughs> uh, at the DW Stadium. Um, they possibly do that out of the uh, out of the proceeds of their of their fees. I think we'll, we'll be talking about the Derby County administrators' fees on Thursday show, by the way. Uh, um, yes, we will. I, I saw your your teaser tweet. They're quite eye opening, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, uh, 
uh, Wigan were subsequently uh, Wigan were subsequently relegated. Uh, the the administrators did put in an appeal um, with regards to the, the the twelve point deduction, which they lost. Um, so um, I, I can understand Anthony uh, not being keen on Wigan because he's from Bolton, but uh, I'm afraid his first assertion uh, wasn't quite correct. They they did get a points deduction. Um, and they they didn't successfully defend it when they went to appeal. Um, and the only winners were, of course, the lawyers, because mm. I think they claimed a very handsome sum for putting in the appeal. Yeah, that, that's why I like the question so much and why I'm inclined to like Anthony O'Meara, because <laughs> we would have been sat around the table in the pub going, hang on a second, didn't they, I'm sure they were deducted some points. And I'd no, be I'll the, start the email. I'll start I, the email. I, 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 I'd be the one going, no, no, they weren't. They definitely weren't. And if they, they weren't deducted enough, it doesn't matter. It's like, um, Brian McCafferty has a question. Uh, and you'll, <laughs> Another angry fan. Yes. Uh, you'll need to explain uh, a, a term in this question to me, Kieran, and perhaps to certain listeners. Brian McCafferty says, I was wondering about zombie companies such as Rangers, who survive by selling shares. At what stage does this fall foul of UEFA FFP rules. Um, I presume a zombie company is not an insult, Kieran. It's a technical term, is it? Uh, no, it's an insult. Oh, it's oh, um, okay. Two for two. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, yes, it is an insult. Um, right. In that uh, case, yeah. can I just point out to the Rangers fans listening, this is Brian McCafferty's question. I merely read them out. Yes. Yes, and, and I, Kieran Maguire, don't have a dog in this particular fight either. Um, well, we sort of do. I, I, I was even mentioned at the uh, at the Rangers uh, annual general meeting. Uh-oh. Uh oh. And I was going, Jesus Christ, what have I done now? <laughs> Apparently, but no, no. John Bennett, who, who, who again was kind enough to come on the show, was was praising. Was praising. He says, if people want to understand about Rangers finances, they should listen to the price of football. Oh, very oh, good. We're going. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, Thank yeah. you very much, Sean. Um, right, uh, but in terms of g- going back to Brian's broader question, um, if clubs are losing money um, and, and Rangers have have lost money, along with Brighton Nova Albion, along with you know, sets, you know probably seventy clubs in the English uh, in, in English football as well, um, how do you fund those losses? Now you can do that through selling players. Rangers haven't gone down, gone down the selling players route. Yeah, mm. they they focused. Yeah, and, and again, we, we had John Bennett on the show, and he says, "Yeah, we, we're in a recovery phase. We're, we're investing in squads. We don't want to be selling players." Um, so, so they they can sell players. They can operate um, a break even model. But you know, if if you're you're trying to catch up with another club, you you, you are going to probably incur losses, or you can have funding. Uh, from either in in the form of debt, uh, yeah, we, we've said on many occasions banks don't want to lend to football clubs because mm. if things go wrong with the loan, you don't want you, know, you don't want to be the bank manager that calls in a loan in respect of Rangers Football Club. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 not good. Uh, and uh, uh, then then the alternative is is to issue shares. And and the thing about if you do issue shares. Um, Shares are irredeemable in the sense that there is no repayment date. And under UEFA rules, and this sort of goes back to one of our earlier questions, you are allowed to issue as many shares as you want, but the amount that counts towards financial fair play is effectively capped at 25 million euro over a three-year period. Now, under the the new sustainable rules that uh, UEFA are going to introduce, that number is going to be increased, but there's lots of caveats and there's a ridiculous amount of small print um, that I am having a lot of fun going through at present, <laughs> um, as you can imagine. Uh, this is this is why this is why I have no friends. Um, but um, 
it, it, it doesn't fall foul of the FFP rules um, un, unless uh, the, the the funding is coming in the form of debt because that doesn't count towards FFP. You have many friends, Kieran. You've got the Prowler. <laughs> you, uh, the, the Baroness loves you very much. She and also counts as a friend. And also, you, you've got plenty of fanboys, Kieran. As we as we discovered when we did the live pod, you've got you've got lots of friends. Um, the last question comes from Rick. Oh no, actually, Kieran, and now it's just occurred to me. Oh, um, you, you you mentioned banks don't like lending to football clubs. Yeah, but they they still do it quite a lot. I mean, they, they somebody lent you know Tottenham a hell of a lot of money, didn't they? So they they obviously some clubs they're perfectly happy and secure in the knowledge that they won't ever go into financial difficulties. Yeah, yeah, but, but if we that Tottenham's loans came from the investment banking. Ah, um, oh, right, okay. Um as opposed right. to so if uh you know if if you are Bank of America, JP Morgan, Merrill Lynch, uh, you know Deutsche Bank and so on, you don't have many branch customers or branch customers. Yeah, no, you just in there the to lend UK. Money. Yeah, sure. Whereas if you were Barclays or or you know uh, NatWest, and you were a local commercial bank, uh, you you would have uh, you would have a bit of a backlash if if you if you then effectively closed down the local football club. Yeah, I'm just I'm just worrying that I I didn't say the right thing to Radio New Zealand about Silver Lake when they said should we be worrying about Silver Lake's investment in the All Blacks? And I went yeah, hell yeah yeah, and <laughs> as intelligent as possible. Uh, and then kind of went, yeah, probably. No, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just thinking, where's Kieran's number? Um, the last <laughs> question comes from Rick Lewis. And Rick Lewis, I like Rick Lewis. Uh, Rick Lewis says, I learned of this podcast thanks to hearing Kieran on Rover's chat last summer. This is Blackburn Rovers. I listened to that episode twice. However, as a new American fan of Blackburn, I still don't understand their money issues. Can you just give a brief overview of why every team seems to be in debt and what would an ideal fix for debt be? Is it just a generous benefactor who will wipe it out? Or is there another ideal path out of it? Now, the reason I like Rick is because he represents a certain sort of American fan. And, and Palace have had a few in recent seasons um, who have contacted us via the FYP pod. When an American decides to support a club in the UK, my word, they throw themselves into it. They just <laughs> dedicate themselves to it completely and learn as much. Never Take my advice. Never get into an argument with a new American fan about your club. They will know more than you do. And I love that enthusiasm for it. I love the fact they really buy into it and they want to know everything about it because it reminds me of what it was like being a 10-year-old when you're just obsessed with it. And it's, it's, it's lovely. But Rick's asked a very uh, big question. Kieran, which probably we haven't got long enough to answer in full. But what would the ideal fix for debt be? Is because we we discuss this a lot that you you always say debt's not necessarily an issue in and of itself, is it? Well, de- debt's not a problem. It, it's it, it's meeting your debt payments mm. as they fall due, which is always the challenge. So, yeah, yeah we, we mentioned Tony Bloom at Brighton earlier. He's he's lent yeah was it three hundred odd million mm. to the club, interest free with no fixed repayment date. So the money's come into the club. There's no evidence that he's going to ask for that money back. Um, so, so, you know, and, and that falls into, you know, what I consider to be the, the, the best, you know, and I've repeated this on regular occasions, mm. uh, that the best ownership model is that of the benevolent dictator, i.e. somebody that's 
that loves the club, puts loads of money in. You know, it's the same with with Steve Parrish at, at Palace. You know, he, he yeah, you, yeah, you know yeah. first and foremost he's a Palace fan, and and, yeah. that, and that is the case. You've got you've got the you've got the Coates family at uh, at Stoke. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you've got Andy Holt at, at Accrington. You know, there are people who have got genuine affection for the club um, who are prepared to put money in, and uh, they they know that officially it's a loan, but to a, to a large extent. It is the bank of mum and dad mm. in the sense that I know I'm never going to see that money back when I lend it to my to our kid. Yeah, but, I, but, I, but I'll do it because he's my lad um, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, why are clubs in so much debt? It's because the distribution model of money in, in English football is so skewed towards the top mm. that it incentivizes clubs to spend money to get there. Once they are there, they're incentivized to spend money and overspend money to avoid relegation. And when they're in the top half of the division, they're incentivized to overspend money because the rewards of getting into the Champions League and the Europa League are pretty significant as well. So, so everything's geared towards gambling um, with, uh, with money. And the trouble with gambling with money is that more people lose than win. Mm. Um, in the case of Blackburn, um, Blackburn were acquired by the Venki family in, uh, I think it was October or November 2010. And uh, I, I know people quite high up at Blackburn historically. Um, and they said, the, they, n- n- nobody understands the Venki's motives mm. for the continued level of investment at, at the club because they, they don't tend to come to the matches that often. Um, but every time somebody phones them up in India, they say, how much money do you need? And they go, oh, golly gosh, yeah, it's a bit more than we expected, but here's a check. Mm. Uh, and th- and this, is, this is just a ludicrous number. Yeah, Blackburn Rovers, yeah, good club, you know, again, great away trip, uh, you know, fantastic fans. Um, but under the Venkis, Blackburn Rovers have lost £383,000 a week wow. every week mm. for 11 years. Yeah, yeah and that's... And they're just writing out that check. Oh, okay, uh, three isn't it? Another three eighty-three. Another three. Yeah, and it's just ping, 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 ping. Uh, absolutely incredible. And and what? And if you and if you are doing that, and um, and you could say, well, yo, you know, Roman Abramovich, it lost. You know, it cost him more money to run Chelsea, but you know, he got Premier League uh, victories, he got Cup victories, he got Champions League mm. victories, the World Club. You know, he he got he got the opportunity to to smile. Uh, you know, smiling the Chelsea director's box in those days when he used to go um, on a regular basis, holding up big trophies and and getting an awful lot of attention. Mm. The the Venkis don't even ten matches, and you know, no disrespect to, to Blackburn Rovers, uh, but you know, if if they're playing Reading on a Tuesday night, there's not a lot of interest outside of Blackburn and Reading. Whereas you know, at least if Chelsea are playing Real Madrid, you, you know, you know uh, Abramovich knows that he's got the attention of the world's football population mm. on his club. So it, it it makes no sense whatsoever, but then most of football financially makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. I'm, <clears throat> I'm not suggesting that this is the case, Kieran, for obvious legal reasons, but could there be something in Indian law that benefits them tax-wise by writing these checks to a losing cause every month? I, I think that's highly unlikely. Right. Um, normally... Uh, in in what we what we refer to as group relief, that's normally done on a domestic level right, rather than okay. on a global level. Right. So I think it's highly unlikely. And to answer the final part of Rick's question, is there some other ideal path out of it? 
The one ideal path out of it that we never seem to discuss on this pod is paying the debt. Is I mean, is that to, that seems to be the simple way out of it? Is it you just pay the debt? But that never seems to happen. Is it that because of the huge amounts of money uh, that you need to pay back? Yeah, in in, in in order to repay loan, you need cash. Blackburn haven't got any. Yeah, you know, the fact that they're you know the, the fact that every week they're three hundred and eighty three grand worse off yeah. means that they don't. They're never going to be in a position to have the money to repay the debt. Um, so so unless there is some you know ridiculous windfall from somewhere, and I, I just can't see how that how or why that's ever going to occur. Um, that, that what they need to do is to get back into the Premier League and then establish themselves for five or six years, and and then the Venkies might be able to sell the club. But even so, if they sell it, realistically, you'll be looking at £200 million mm. for a club which has been established in the Premier League, as we mentioned earlier. They're, they're in for £150 million already. So they're not actually going to make a return um, on, 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 their, on their commitment to the club. Uh, and Rick's question, finally, Kieran, it's, it's another example of how football fans around the world, in particular Americans, are just totally baffled by how finance works in, in UK football. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't work. It, well, it doesn't yes. work under any yeah. Yeah. normal set of business rules. But then football's not normal. Yeah. So you mentioned Andy Holt, Kieran, and tickets are now on sale for the second ever Price of Football live on Tuesday. Guys put that in block capital, so I'm reading it like Sky. Price of Football live on Tuesday, May the 10th at the Wham Stadium, home of Accrington Stanley. Of course, click on the link in the description of this episode or look at our social media feeds to get your tickets. Now they are going fast, so you need to do that quite quickly. And we look forward to seeing you. In particular, we look forward to this person. Thanks to everybody who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. It's very kind of you. Like Nathan Rogers, who says, it's a privilege to be able to support the pod. I absolutely love it. It fuels me with great football finance news and knowledge that I get to bore my mates to death with at the pub. <laughs> I think that's a compliment, um, uh, which usually ends with me being sent to the bar to the ne- to get the next round in. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening to that, Roy? Um, keep up the great work, and I look forward to seeing you guys in Accrington. We look forward to seeing you, Nathan. I'll, I'll have a pint of Guinness, if that's okay. Uh, and if it's 5 to 11, I'll have a Jameson's to go with it. Um, if you'd like to join Nathan and make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meanwhile, I shall leave you in the trusty hands of Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, as always, folks, thanks for your feedback. Thanks for your support for the show. Uh, yeah, we, we, we genuinely chuffed to bits that that so many people seem to seem to like uh, what what we what we're putting out there. Um, if if you want to support the show through Patreon for as little as a pound a month, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, you'll, you'll you'll get our love uh, our, our back. But if you just want to you just want to send us some some good karma across the airwaves, uh, another way that you can do that is to go to your app that you use to to download podcasts. Um, and if you can give us a review um, and if you can give us five stars, it helps in the algorithms. It helps helps our credibility when, when we are trying to to book guests, uh, because the first thing they do is if they you know, if they've not heard of the podcast, they go, well, where are they in the charts? And we, we, we do all right, you know, for what is a, a pretty specialist mm. show. Um, it, it doesn't matter, apparently, what you say in the uh, in, in the reviews. Uh, you know, we were talking about lizards uh, earlier on <laughs> and, and their long tongues. So you could even say you'd rather have the show presented by Gene Simmons of Kiss, <laughs> a, man known, a man legendary for the size of his tongue, 
and George Osborne, the former <laughs> Chancellor of the Exchequer, uh, who, who for some reason, uh, some people seem to think it's a good idea to have his name on on one of the bids to take over Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would watch that. But they both have to, they both have to wear the makeup. Um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'm just thinking there was some talk of maybe doing a live pod at. Uh, the Amex. Uh, I'm going to have to put an end to that talk. So just, just in case Henry Cheese is built like Tyson Fury and has a very bad temper. <laughs> I've, I've written down loads of cheese pumps here, but as you say, Kieran, the BAFTA's disappearing quickly enough as it is without me going through them. Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.